0: Welcome to this week's message. We hope you enjoy this teaching from Pastor Ray Dirksen, the lead pastor here at Southland Church. For more information about this message and other resources, visit mysouthland.com. On the May church renewal weekend, I preached Grow Your Character. And the scriptures teach that when we're talking about the fruit of the spirit, godliness, righteousness, sanctification, or character, we're really talking about the same thing in different ways. So the scriptures also teach that growing in character comes with promises. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 to 8, for example, says, Train yourself to be what? Godly, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, uh, holding promise both for this present life and the life to come. And I offered seven reasons that we should desire to grow our character, and you can take a look at it in the, in the back of your, if you look at the back, so you've got the front where it says grow your character, and on the back, uh, right on top are seven reasons to grow your character. We're not going to talk about this this week. We talked about that in part one in, at the church renewal weekend, and now we're going to be focusing on the middle section that says steps to initiate character growth. There's nine steps, and I will only be talking about two of them. I'll be referring to two of them because they're somewhat similar. One is uh, number three, and the other one is number eight. So set your eyes on eternity through meditation. (coughs) Excuse me. And number eight, learn and meditate. I talked a little bit about the learning part in, in in, in the first part, in May at the Church Renewal Weekend, but this time we're going to focus on the meditation part, and then, of course, the third section is something we haven't, uh, uh, we're not going to be addressing today at all, but you can see it for yourself, some steps to, to character growth in trials and suffering, so just a little bit different. All right, so um, a key passage I used in the first message was 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. And now, uh, for this morning, I'm going to look at, we're, uh, we're going to look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 14, except for verse 11, all right? And this is what it says in Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 14. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory, he says. And then in verse 5, he goes on and he says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to the earthly nature, sexual immorality, uh, impurity, lust, uh evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. And then he says, because of these things, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now put your, uh, get rid of these things, all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you put off the old self with its practices, and that's the set free retreat right there, okay? That's the set free. And have put on what? That's right. And have put on the new self. You put off the old self, you put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Bear with each other and forgive whatever And forgive whatever um, offenses you may have against each other. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, uh, put on love, which binds them all together in uh, perfect unity. All right? So Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 14. And we're looking at those two particular passages. Now, in this message, I'm focusing on that meditation piece right there. And the first thing we have to do is change our thinking. When I spoke on character, I picked the character trait perseverance and then demonstrated how you can learn about that trait and how that will change you. In that way, you could wrestle that truth into your life. But today I wish to show you another very important aspect of wrestling that, that truth into your life. It's called meditation. There's a very big reason, I believe, why people cannot change their characters, their emotions and attitudes, their speech, and their behaviors. And do you know what I believe it is? As important as the free, free, set free is, and I said it, and, and it's very important, it has really changed and transformed many people. And Yesterday I got an email, they're running their first set free in Queretaro, Mexico. Um, I mean, every, every week, we're hearing of another place where they're running these set free's, and they sent pictures and all that through Eddie and Christina, and, and lives are being changed and transformed. But we're not just to put off sinful practices. We're to put on intentionally and clothe ourselves with the character traits we saw listed, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and, and uh, patience. And when we do this, we're putting on the character of Christ. Galatians 4.19, Paul said, My dear children, for whom I am again, in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. And so those characteristics of compassion and kindness and humility and gentleness and, and uh, patience and bearing with each other and forgiving one another and love over all those virtues and stuff, those are characteristics or traits of Jesus' character that we're putting on, and we're told to put it on. True? and um, But the question is this, how do you put on Christ's character or these character traits? Many believers try and try and try, but they just can't change. Why? Because they're thinking about the wrong things. I am, I'm so serious about this Christian, listen to me. We are supposed to put off those things, and we are supposed to put on the right things. We're commanded to do that. He says, make every, Peter says, make every effort. Uh, Paul says in F- to the Philippians, continue to work out your salvation. And uh, to Timothy, he said, train yourself to be godly. Here he says, put off and put on. We're, and then he says, clothe yourselves even, all right? Everything begins with your thinking, it begins in your mind. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your minds. Wait a minute, transformed in what? Take out your, take your little tool out again. Now go to page, the front page and you'll notice there's four categories there. Grow your thoughts, grow your emotions and attitudes, grow your speech, and grow your behaviors. But notice the one that I put on top. It's not an accident. I put it there intentionally because your thoughts determine your emotions and attitudes, and they determine your speeches, and they determine your behaviors. And you will never, ever, ever change some of the practices and character traits in your life if you don't change the thinking. That's what Paul says. And Paul is an inspired writer being used by the Holy Spirit. In other words, God says you can't change your attitudes and emotions, speech and behaviors if you won't change your thinking. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds, he says. That's why it, uh, we have, and, and, uh, we have to be intentional about changing our thoughts. That's our part. And it's work. Of course it is. Why? Because that's where the war for the souls of men and women, teens and children, is being waged. Think about this. Your eternal destination and reward. Think about that. Your eternal destination and reward, as well as those who are, you are given to influence, beginning with your family, is determined by what you are thinking about. I can prove it. Paul again, under the inspiration of the spirit said in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 3 to 5, for though you live in the world you do not wage war as the world does. The weapons you fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. There it is. It's a war for your mind. It's a battle for the mind, and the devil is going for the mind. That's how everything is happening in our culture. It's a battle for thoughts, The battle out there is for thoughts. It's in the mind. That's where it's being waged. Notice, we're to take captive every thought. So how do we take captive our thoughts? And listen to me, either you believe the Bible or you don't. You say, well, I believe John 3.16. That's wonderful. Then you better believe this verse too. God is deadly serious about us taking captive every thought in our minds. But you say I, I don't know how to do that. By intentionally thinking on the right things. That's how Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 says. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there is anything excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. an imperative. It's a command. I believe that if you will change, you and I will change our thinking, we will experience revival at another level. Scripture doesn't just tell us to think about nice things in this world. Go and meditate on green trees and oceans and mountains and food. That's not what he's saying. He tells us what we're supposed, what are these true and noble and lovely and right and pure and all that? He tells us what they are. Back to Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 to 2. He said, since then, you are raised with Christ. Set your hearts on what? Things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And then he says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Exactly. Those true, noble right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, praiseworthy things are things above. And we're supposed to intentionally put our thinking there. It's not just about, oh, I'm not going to think these bad thoughts. No, 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 no. You'll never win the battle that way. You'll never win by trying to keep out the wrong thoughts. You only win the battle by thinking the right thoughts and thinking on the right thoughts. That's the only way. We're to think on things above. For Paul, see what follows right, right thinking. I mean, it's, it's, it's just amazing. He makes it so clear. He says, so he says, set your hearts on things above. Set your minds on things above. And then he says, put off the old self with, uh, uh, with its practices. And put on and clothe yourself with the right character traits. But notice what he starts with. Set your hearts and minds on things above. Get the thinking right first, and then you will be able to put off and put on and clothe. Is it true? It is. Right thinking precedes character change. The psalmist said the same. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of the scornful or scoffers. But his delight is in the what? Love, Lord, and in his law he meditates how long? day and night. He will be like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Two results. Two results. He'll be fruitful and he won't wither. Do you know, do you know anyone who's withering today? I bet there are people here today that are withering. I know pastors that are withering. But here's the good news. According to scripture, you and I don't have to wither. We don't have to wither. There are lots of pastors that are even giving up in ministry today. I just heard of another one just this last week, Church of a Thousand. Just a, I weep sometimes in my, co- in my office because they're withering. They're withering. But it doesn't have to be. They can be revived in their emotions by meditating. Psalm 19.7, it says, the law of the Lord is What? perfect, doing what? Reviving the soul. Then notice the next part, it says the statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Now, every evangelical seems to know that the statutes of the Lord make wise the simple, as it says. But how many Christians know and believe that it actually revives the soul too? It really does. Everybody's burning out today. Everybody. Everybody's burning out. Why? They're withering. Their leaf doesn't have to wither just because there's pressure. Oh, that's good news, church. Amen? So how do you think on things above? That's the question. Well, you've got to change your thinking. We already were reading it by meditation. Psalmist said meditate on God's law, day and night, and God said the same thing to Joshua. He said, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it. How often again? Day and night, that you may be careful to do everything written in it, and then you will be prosperous and successful. That's what he says. Note, allowing God's word to depart from your mouth, not to let it depart from your mouth, has something to do with meditation. Think about this. The idea of every believer owning their own Bible wasn't even possible until relatively recently in in the history of mankind. Did you ever think about that? It wasn't until 1439 that Johannes Gutenberg invented the printing press, and for the first time in history, the mass production of books was made possible. That means that for only one-tenth of human history has... uh, uh, Only one-tenth of human history has had... A printing press. So how did they get the word? Because that means they didn't all have Bibles. So how did they get the word? I mean, the scrolls were in the temple or tabernacle. So how did they get the word? God's word was transmitted to people orally through memorization. That's why it says, don't let it depart from your mouth. You say, that's why it says that. Yes, that's why. Deuteronomy 30 verse 14 says, The word is very near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart so that you may, so you may obey it. Memorization is an extension of meditation. In meditation, you chew on the same passage carefully over and over. In memorization, you continue this until you can repeat it from memory. Many years ago, I thought very negatively. In fact, when I married Fran, and and you know one part of this story, but you don't know the other part. I'm going to fill you in on another piece. I was very, so I always saw the glass half empty. She always saw it half full. And so she was very positive. I was more on the negative side. And I would would often mutter to myself, I quit. And there was a, and and, and so I, I would do that often. But eventually, through the fear of the Lord, I didn't and I've I've told you that before. But even though I didn't because of the fear of the Lord, I felt like it. I I didn't feel like continuing. I felt like quitting. But I didn't because I had a proper fear of the Lord. That's, That's where it can really help you. Amen? And we know that how you feel often determines your responses. But over a period of time, I noticed that I didn't have those same feelings anymore. And it and it's lasted for a couple of decades now, right until today. I've often wondered what happened to me, literally. I would sometimes wonder, I wonder why I'm not like that anymore. I thought, did God just do something miraculously for me? You know, I just put a little switch in me, and I'm a positive person, or what is this? Well, about the same time, totally unrelated, I thought, I sensed I was to memorize Scripture, just me. I wasn't telling everybody else it was just me, so I did. Hundreds of verses, like hundreds and hundreds of verses. I won't put the number here. I I have the number here, but I won't tell you. It wasn't until a few days ago, while meditating on my deck early in the morning, that the Holy Spirit revealed that's why my emotions had changed. I had no idea. My thinking had been changed through memorization. And remember, I mentioned in the May uh, message a character trait that I was working on, or uh, uh, this this past year, <clears throat> that the Holy Spirit had brought up to me and, uh, on the self-control one. Remember, I mentioned that. And uh, and what's interesting to me is that it has really changed, and in large me- measure, it's because I changed my thinking about it by memorizing or meditating, dash memorizing, certain scripture. And I have been tested dozens of times since, and my responses have been completely different. In fact, I was tested this morning just before I came here. And in the heat of it, I thought, uh, th- th- this, this is so disastrous. Just, just moments before I came up here. And as I, as I combed my hair just before I walked up here, the Holy Spirit said, You passed, did you notice? I wasn't even thinking about that, but my response was different. That is amazing. Here's something else. You know why? Because this is not a book of just information. No way. No way. This is not just a book of information, this is a living book. It's living word, and it changes. Think about Isaiah, chapter 55, verse 8 to 11. Uh, For uh, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, your ways are not my ways. And then he says, as the heaven is above the earth, so are my ways uh, higher than your ways, my thoughts than your ways. Now listen to verse 10 and 11. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth And making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so is my word, which goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. And when you stick that living word, you can memorize poems and everything, they will not change you. You put his living word into you and it has to change you. Have you ever thought of that? That's powerful. This is dynamite. You're chewing on pure dynamite here. <laughs> this is not average, and it, so it changes you. And uh, but it's very difficult to do if it isn't in your mouth and heart. But if the, uh, I, I mean, think about it. meditate. Uh, it says uh, in those two passages, meditate, meditate. How often? Day and night. Well, how do you do that if you take the Bible where, you know, you're supposed to do it, you're at a red light, now you quickly pull out your Bible, or you're, uh, you're washing dishes or something, and now you're pulling out your Bible and trying to, no, 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 that's not what they were talking about. You can meditate on it day and night if it's in your heart. In your mouth and in your heart. That's how, how it gets there. If the word is in your mouth and in your heart, you can meditate on it when you're doing ch- house chores. Washing dishes, driving long distances, sitting at a red light, sitting in a waiting room, assuming you don't have kids clamoring over you, standing in a checkout uh, lineup, waiting in a car wash lineup, waiting in a fast food lineup, waiting to board an airplane during the flight, waiting for your baggage before you fall asleep, when you wake up and if you can't sleep. Those of you that are older and can't sleep, you are so lucky. You can, you can meditate on God's word. How lucky is that? Which is why you're wise and the younger next generation isn't. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. One of the places I like to review memory work is on the treadmill. It makes my workout go, go so fast. All oh, says, like 45 minutes. It's done. Ha, and I feel like I didn't even have to work out. That's a good feeling. And I've, uh, and I've been meditating. I'm not saying do this instead of praying, not at all. Scripture says pray without ceasing, and it says meditate on on his word day and night. But more often than not, if you are meditating on his word and reviewing his word in your heart, it will lead you to prayer. In fact, it will lead you to proper prayer. That's powerful. Well, there are some benefits of meditation memorization. Benefit number one, it transforms your behaviors and makes you successful. We've been talking a little bit about it, but I'll just very quickly illustrate it with marriage. Success in your marriage, home, relationships, ministry, even business, anything. There is no such thing as a perfect or easy marriage. Isn't that true? Now, it is true. It is true that some have it easier than others and some of it harder than others. There's different measures of that. There's no question. But there is no such thing actually as a marriage made in heaven in that sense of the word. No. Not at all. If you see a good marriage, then you're looking at a couple that worked hard to make it like that. There was death to self and they both did a lot of character changing. You learn to change what you say and mostly what you don't say anymore. Is that true? You learn to zip your mouth. That's called self-control. That's a character change. And you learn how to love the other person the way they wish to be loved, not the way you want to love them or the way you wish to be loved. That's character, and then you have a success. But we, we've, we talked about that in the, in the other message in a little bit just a few minutes ago. So now I want to move to the next one. Benefit number two, it revives your emotions, making you emotionally whole. If you store up texts in your mind about who God really is, it will help you relate to him as he really is. Imagine being able to call this to mind through the day, and I don't know this one by heart, and uh, so I'm going to read it, but it has now gone in my list, and I'll talk about that a little bit later, but it's now on my list. This will be learned in the next month. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Think about meditating and repeating that over and over in your mind. He will not always try. This is completely opposite of what the devil keeps telling you in, in, in your mind. You can't trust God. He's not actually a very good God to you. And on and on. And he's a taskmaster and he drives you, et cetera, et cetera. Nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins. And you begin to think about that and you say, oh God, I think about how I failed you here. And I think about, I can't believe that I'm even in ministry because of the way, you know, and now you're thinking about that because you're, you're, you're meditating on it nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. And you start to meditate on the love and you start to think about those times that, that he poured out his love. You know, Romans chapter 5, verse 5 says, um, uh, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. He prays for the Ephesians that they would uh, come to know how high and how deep and how wide the love that God has for him. He's not talking about a, he's not talking about some theoretical love. No, 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 no. He's talking about an emotional love, but so many of us are so emotionally crippled, we can't even receive his love. But to receive it, we have to change our thinking. And to, think, and to change our thinking, we have to start to meditate on those things that are true and noble and, and lovely and right and pure and, and admirable and stuff, which are things above which are in the Word. We need to meditate on that. We need to memorize that so it's in our heart. And we do not experience God in the fullness of our emotional potential. How will that change? To be in the Word. And, and think about this. Uh, Psalm 103, (laughs) verses 1 to 5. and We won't say the whole thing, but, but at least the first couple of verses. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his benefits. Do you think that when David was writing that, he was going, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and that all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Do you think so? No, 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 no. He was going, to bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and what? All that is within me. That means he can't hardly contain himself. He may be screaming and shouting. But we are so emotionally crippled that we just go, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying that as a judgmental thing. No, 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 no. I'm saying it because if we get our hearts into Scripture, we'll start to praise him the way we were intended to, and in that way we come into his presence and we experience fullness of joy, where there are riches forevermore. And we will be able to receive his love and we'll experience him the way Paul said he experienced him and he prayed that the Ephesians would experience him. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, uh, our, our own emotions would be drastically altered. We wouldn't be as lifeless, as unhappy, barely surviving kinds of Christians. If we changed our thinking the way Scripture tells us to. He implores us to. Uh, Luke 10, 21. I, I love this. Yeah, I, I memorized it, uh, seventeen twenty one, But I like this verse. At that time, Jesus, full of joy through the Holy Spirit, said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for that was your good pleasure. Jesus, full of, the whole, full of joy through the Holy Spirit. He showed us how we we're supposed to do it. <laughs> well, remember I, how I wanted to quit until I meditated, and memorized? I was changed. Recently, I was memorizing a verse. Somebody used the verse. I picked up on it. And as I, every time, well, I mean, I've repeated it so many times that right now I'm not weeping about it anymore, but for the first, I'll tell you, 10, 20 times I did. And it was Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. But God is not unjust. He will not forget your work or the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. And he gave me that verse. He wants to give you that verse. And as I would repeat it over and over, it just, it just transformed my heart and my thinking, my attitude, my emotions. Oh. It revived my soul. <laughs> Benefit three, it helps you resist temptation, making you victorious. A key way to resist temptation. Oh, I hope that you will believe God's word. What i what I'm telling you this morning, I really hope you believe it. And you won't be like the person in James who goes to the mirror and looks at it and then turns around, walks away and doesn't do anything with it. I prayed, I said, God, I can't make them desire this. I can't make anybody desire this or believe it. A key way to resist temptation is by memorizing proper scripture so you can recall it when needed. Matthew 4 records three temptations that Satan brought against Jesus, and he resisted all three by reciting scripture from memory. It's interesting, the psalmist says the same thing. He says in 119, 11, I should say, he says, I've hidden your heart I mean, your law in my heart, so I might not sin against... I learned it in a different version. Your, uh, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. But in the NASB, it, it says treasured. And it's very interesting um, that he uses that word. First of all, in my heart, the psalmist, uh, for the psalmist, the words of God were not just kept in writing for him to consult outside of him, but in his heart. He said, I've hidden it in my heart. And he says, I've treasured them. And that came to mean, that word treasure, came to mean to hide uh, or to store because in those days they had no banks. (laughs) If you had treasure in those days, you went and dug it in the earth somewhere and you hid your treasure. Amen? Do you see how rich the imagery of that? The devil wants to, and, and that was so that nobody could steal it from you. The devil wants to steal God's word from you. In the parable of Matthew 13, the sower goes out to sow seed and look what happened to the seed that fell on the first soil. He, he t- uh, it says the farmer went to sow his seed as he was scattering the seed. Some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. And then a little bit later in the chapter, the Lord explained the parable. He said, whenever uh, anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and he what? snatches away, snatches it away. I am so fearful that in Western Christianity, but I'm seeing it in other countries already as I'm going. Latin America is full of it. People come in, they hear a good message, And they say, that was was good. It was wonderful. They go out, turn the radio on, turn the TV on, get busy doing something else, and the enemy snatches it away. And by nightfall, they don't remember what they've even heard. It's snatched away. And so the psalmist says, "I, I treasure it so much that I'll hide it, I'll dig it in, into my heart so that no one can take it away from me, that the enemy can't do it. You can't just drift in and out of church listening to messages but never intentionally doing something about it. It, You know, when you get to heaven, it's not going to count. It's not going to count how many years you went to church. What's going to count is what you did with it and what I did with it. Amen? Oh, then you'll be victorious. <laughs> and uh, I want you to think about this when we talk about snatching away. How long is it until they outlaw this in our land? And don't think I'm being overly dramatic when I say it. Christian school in Alberta, Cornerstone Academy, they, uh, they told them to remove certain verses from their, their documents. And then they came and said, you can't even teach them anymore. This book is going to be hate literature very soon. It is already hated, but it's going to be hate literature. That's how they're going to, that's how they're going to view it. What are, you, what are you and I going to do? What is the next generation going to do? And what's my grandkids' generation going to do if we don't hide anything in our hearts? In our mouths and in our hearts we need to be busy about. Benefit number four, it sharpens your witness in ministry, making you fruitful. Jesus quoted 24 Old Testament books and almost 180 times in the New Testament. Decades ago, I memorized verses to lead people to Jesus, but think about how your witness for Jesus would be sharpened if you memorized some of the scriptures Chris used in this past series. Have you ever thought about that? I loved that series and so I wrote down a bunch of those passages and since I've already memorized Genesis 12, 1 to 3, 15 verse 16, Deuteronomy 12, 29 to 31, Psalm 106, 34 to 42 and so on. Why? Because I was about to meet with somebody who doesn't love Jesus and is, an antagonist, is antagonistic toward Jesus and I thought if, if, if the Holy Spirit brings us into this discussion, then I'm going to have something. Now, it must be done. Uh, Peter says, uh, says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. It's very, very important. It's not just truth. It's truth with gentleness and respect. And so I was hoping maybe I would get a chance. Well, I didn't get a chance right then, but it's just buying me a little more time because I'm adding to the arsenal. And maybe that's why he's, why he's just, you know, waiting for the right opportunity. But it also gives you something to minister to and build up other believers with. You know, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Therefore, encourage each other with these, or comfort, encourage or comfort, depending on what version, with these words. What words? Well, if you go back to verse 13, Paul was talking about, he said this, he said, but I don't want you to, we don't want you to be ignorant, brothers, about those who have fallen asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's own word, we tell you that we who are still alive and remain will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. That's the words he was saying. But how can you encourage somebody with it if you don't have the words? Do you see what I mean? And Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 to 10. And after this I looked, and there before me was this great multitude that no one could count from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes, and they were holding palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. You start thinking about those kinds of things, and you start offering that to a believer who's going through a tough time. Or Revelation chapter 21. Then I looked, uh, uh, and there was a, a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven like a uh, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. You see what I'm saying? It'll change your thinking. And in a a world that is hopelessly lost and getting darker by the moment, and is coming after the Christian church and its word, if we'll do this, we'll make it. We'll make it. I'm convinced of it. Number four, choose... A t- oh, no, 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 no. I'm at the wrong place here. Totally. So how do you meditate and memorize? Pray for a desire to memorize. You may doubt that you can do this, particularly if you're older. But look at it. I'm practically th- uh, 63, and you know what kind of problems I got m- with memory. You know it. Testified many times about it. Um, You can do it. I mean, think about this. If I offered you $1,000 for every verse you would learn this coming week, would you be able to memorize a couple of verses? Huh? Just asking. (laughs) Yet God's Word says His laws or ordinances are more precious than gold. Than much pure gold, they're sweeter than honey. Than honey from the comb, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. And that goes right back to the tool and the seven reasons why you want to change your character. And the last one is, character determines your heavenly reward. It does. God designed your faith to feed on Scripture all day long. Jesus quoted Deuteronomy uh, three. Uh, eight, verse 3, uh, when he responded to the devil, you know, when he was taken out to be tempted, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, in verse 2 of chapter 4, it says, um, uh, and Jesus was hungry, and then it says in verse 3, then the tempter came to him and said, command these stones to become bread, and then it says, then Jesus replied, it is written, and he quotes Deuteronomy 8.3, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes out from the mouth of God. Wow. (laughs) That's amazing. Your faith to trust God in all things depends fully on if you're feeding your soul on his word through scripture. If you choose against Bible memory, you choose against the food of faith, and will at best become a weak Christian at worst, you may lose your faith altogether. And walk away when the times get tough. How much better if your desires and mine became, oh, how I love your law. I meditate on them all day long. Amen? <laughs> Amen, church? That's the right desire. Pray for the desire. You say, I just have no desire to do this. I know. I don't blame you. Because this takes work. <laughs> but if it's that valuable to you, would you work for gold and treasure? Of course you would. This is more valuable than any gold. This affects your entire eternity. Wow. How much better? So, number two, choose scripture verses. Take your, if you like, take them right off of, this, off of here. And you can add a whole, this is just for the character traits, but you, there's, there's quite a few there, trust me. Um, and start there. And only memorize verses that are meaningful to you. Don't memorize all kinds of stuff that doesn't matter to you right now. Memorize where God is working in your life. Then it will be meaningful and you will want it. Number three, start small. Choose one verse and go over it and over it till you can say it. Repeat it throughout your day when you've got a moment. Maybe 10, 20 times through the day, just wherever, you know, where there's a red light, or whatever. And just keep bringing it to your mind. And the following days, keep reciting it throughout the day. Commit to learn one verse. Here's my summer challenge for you one verse per week for 52 weeks. One verse a week? That's nothing. That's easy. You can do that in a few minutes on your first day and second. You know, throughout the day, you keep doing it. And the second day, you try it again. And, and, then week number 2 add another one step number 4 choose a tool to help you cards you can tape them on your mirror refrigerator or over your sink that's one way i wouldn't uh, tape it on your um, windshield you know as you're driving like right where you're i wouldn't do that uh, but here's something that i do use a use a a phone app and wherever I go, wherever I'm waiting, I always have that phone app with me. And when everybody's on all kinds of email and stuff, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm meditating. And I'm reviewing scripture. And this is the one I use, but there's many out there. But uh, I use scripture typer, and there's others that do. In fact, it was my daughter, Kim, that put me onto it. It has its own topical verse collections, 55 of them. But you can import your own verses and categories. That's what I do. Choose the translation you like, have it wherever you go. You can even edit it. I do. You can download this for free. It has a limit of 100 verses, but once you go past 100, then you've got to buy the pro version. Of course you do. Uh, but it's only like 10, 11 bucks, something like that. I forget what it was now. I'm going to close with this. Chuck Swindoll. I could quote a bunch of guys. Uh, names that you would know, Dallas Willard, Howard Hendricks, and so on and so forth. But Chuck Swindoll uh, Swindoll wrote this, I know of no other single practice in the Christian life more rewarding, practically speaking, than memorizing scripture. No other single exercise pays greater spiritual dividends. Your prayer life will be strengthened, your witnessing will be sharper and more effective, your attitudes and outlook will begin to change, your mind will become alert and observant, For those of you that are losing your mind, that would be a good one. That's my generation. Your confidence and assurance will be enhanced and your faith will be solidified. Let's pray. God, I commit this word to you and I ask that the word that was sown this morning would be hidden intentionally treasured and hidden by your people so that the enemy who would like to snatch it away from them before they even get out these doors wouldn't be able to do it i pray that you place a deep desire in the hearts of our people to do the flip side of putting off and move to intentionally putting on And I want to thank you because I know that's what you're working in this church and I know you're going to change many, many hearts through this. Many lives are going to be transformed for the glory of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Southland Church. For more information or to download this and many other messages, please visit us at myselfland.com.